0: Into the Bird's Eye View podcast. We are here on Monday, July 31st, just a little over 24 hours away from the 2023 trade deadline, but that hasn't stopped the Toronto Blue Jays from already making a move, bringing in Jordan Hicks from the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm Zach Warden here today with Jory Negan Schechter as we are going to look ahead to tomorrow's deadline and kind of break down the Jordan Hicks trade, take a look ahead at uh, what else the Blue Jays might do before the clock strikes zero tomorrow. Jory, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing wonderful because Jordan Hicks is a Toronto Blue G. There's a lot of red on that cast page, which has me salivating.
0: Yeah, we have a lot to get to today. So let's just dive right into this Jordan Hicks trade. A doozy of a trade, realistically, you look at it getting maybe the best reliever on the market, depending on who else moves, whether you know the Padres move Josh Hader, the Pirates move David Bednar. Um, yet to be seen, but a guy who throws 102 in exchange for a couple double A pitchers, Sam Roberta, Adam Klofenstein, and you know, a high price to pay for somebody that could not be a Toronto Blue Jay for that long, but he could be a Toronto Blue Jay for some very, very important innings.
1: You've basically put it uh, very succinctly there. This is a guy that you know, not necessarily that they needed obviously with the Romano injury, it became more of a concern, but obviously the bullpen was a strength, but this really elevates their bullpen to another level and should be able to even, you know, cover up for the pitching, which in general, the starters have been good, not amazing at times. I don't necessarily blow you away beyond a Gosman type, but it just it really supplements, really augments this team in a way that makes them look a lot more dangerous than they did 24 hours ago
0: yeah the blue jays already had an elite bullpen but that elite bullpen had been overused had been looking a little bit fatigued a little tired a lot of their guys are trending to have career high usage this season and now you bring in this guy who should give them a little bit of a break he's you know only coming in having thrown 40 innings um A really, really great ad. And I think like you you touch on like for the playoffs, it's just going to make them a much better team kind of where we've seen the past few years. Some teams just bullpen you to death. The Atlanta Braves got there that way. They had like two starters healthy when they win the World Series and just build around their bullpen and the Blue Jays have a bullpen that can do that now.
1: Yeah. The the other really exciting thing is the velocity, which is obviously the thing that pops off the page when you're talking about Jordan Hicks. I mean, the hundred and five mile per hour fastball was a couple of years ago, but still, I mean, the fact he's got that in his toolkit obviously has you just dreaming. And the other thing is just in general, the fact that he throws so hard so frequently the stat that was going around yesterday, he's thrown over 1,500 pitches over 100 miles an hour, I think, for the course of his career. And I wasn't sure if it was the current Blue Jays staff or if it's the entirety of Blue Jays history dating back to 2008. They've thrown, I think, about 100-ish. So he's literally thrown 15 times more pitches than anybody else in that vicinity over 100 miles an hour.
0: Yeah, he is a freak, no doubt, a former kind of, you know, a role, this Chapman type kind of came up. They tried to make him a starter and now he's uh, a back end ace. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that this locks him in as like an eighth inning guy as a closer, you know, whatever they want to use him as. I think he's really, you know, there's almost the potential there for them to use him as like an Andrew Miller in the playoffs and kind of just have him roam and be a, a, a fireman and put out, you know, any trouble that comes up in the playoffs as, as, as it
1: arises. Like that's probably what Eric Swanson would have been had they gone into this, uh, you know, the stretch run or, or whatever you want to call it, where, you know, your guy that you need to put out the fires, but I, I love the idea of Hicks being that guy. Again, I don't know because he was, he eventually obviously took over the closers job in St. Louis. So it's not like he's an established closer, but there's definitely, I mean, we see it with Romano all the time where when you're a closer, you want to be in those big spots. So I do wonder how that's going to fit in the puzzle of the Blue Jays bullpen. Is Hicks going to step in and be the closer with Romano out? Then do they shift him to an eighth inning role or are they willing to let him be a guy that they put in just in high leverage spots? I also wonder if he's quite good enough to be trusted always in those high leverage spots, which is going to be very interesting. He's been excellent this year. He has not always been excellent, but for now, given you know the data that we have, I would say that's how hopefully they use him.
0: Yeah, of course, you know, big situation in the playoffs, the bases loaded. Are you bringing him in? That's you know, I don't know how I'd feel about that necessarily. A guy who does have a pretty high walk rate like he's probably a guy that you want to bring in and with clean innings so that if he does walk anybody like it's it doesn't hurt you as much whereas you know you bring him in bases loaded you bring him in runners on like kind of the, the variance of, of his low or high walk rate I guess is isn't going to hurt you as much so I mean it's it'll be interesting to see how they do use him um, one thing I, I I'm hoping that he does for the team is that he kind of helps out Nate Pearson a little bit So obviously both two hard throwers and you know, I don't like Nate's not on the same level as Hicks in terms of like velocity, but what they both do is like, I mean, they both get really good whiff rates on their, on their spin stuff. And if you like look at it, you know, they want Nate to be better with his off-speed stuff and be able to be more consistent with it. And the reason why, you know, Hicks is, sweeper and slider have such high whiff rates is because he throws so hard which is similar with Pearson but what Hicks is able to do is like he's able to actually use his fastball and and not have guys sit on it as much as hitters do against Nate and I mean I this is totally way away from the point of making this trade for Jordan Hicks but it is kind of I think a blueprint for a guy like Nate Pearson to be like oh that's how I get to be a high leverage reliever
1: yeah no compelling for for Pearson, obviously, the difference is that one of them's tossing 102 and one of them's tossing 98. Those are four very significant ticks. So I do wonder if there is going to be some added benefit. I also wonder because the idea was to have Pearson and AAA, you know, working on some stuff. I wonder if that now becomes a change in plans because you do have Hicks here. Hicks is not the pitching coach. You're not asking him to teach Pearson stuff. But I also do agree with your point that having those two in the vicinity together would make some sense.
0: Yeah. Let's play a little GM here. So the Blue Jays this week, they come off a a series win over the Angels, a series win over the Dodgers. And, you know, I've been playing a little bit better. The Dodgers series was totally wild. A couple extra inning games, you know, the blown ninth inning. And... Now they come in and they beat the Angels. They take the first two. They lose the last one in the the extra inning game there with Jimmy Garcia giving up the home run. What do you think was the point in the negotiations with the St. Louis Cardinals for this Jordan Hicks <laughs> trade that made Ross Atkins go, all right, I will give you the extra pitcher in this trade?
1: Uh, I mean, is it too obvious to say when Hunter Renfro made contact uh, with that? Uh, well, I don't know if it was... Uh... I don't know what the count was, but I mean, you put that ball into the left field bleachers and I feel like immediately it was kind of like beep, 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 beep. Hey, uh, so about Adam Kloffenstein. Um, I mean, listen, you don't think that it's a one-off situation that would prompt that. I'm sure that this negotiation was long ongoing, but it, it's a funny thought to think, you know, strike three ball games over. And then, you know, Ross Atkins calls up the, uh, Calls up the public relations team and goes, Hey, by the way, can we get a little print uh a little printout for Jordan Hicks going here? Uh, we've got a deal done because of what we all just witnessed.
0: Well, the trade had to drop like five minutes after the last time. Maybe of that. that
1: game. Maybe that. It was like a tight turnaround.
0: So you're saying you think Ross Atkins called the Cardinals? You don't think that John Mosalek called Ross Atkins and just sat there quiet, <laughs> quiet on his end? You just Dials in the phone and he just sits there <laughs> quiet as Ross Atkins is sitting in the Rogers Center with the silence of the Hunter Renfro. You, you home know what run. it is? It's
1: like, you know, in Moneyball, the the Billy Bean scene where he's watching the game on TV and then he starts throwing his chair and everything. So that was Ross Atkins watching the game, but then just the phone starts ringing in the background and you're just like, all right, give him to me. Yeah, but, they were. Uh, I actually, I want to ask you a bit about like the prospects. Like we talked about this a little bit before we recorded. What's the like, how do we feel about What they've given up here?
0: Yeah, I mean it's definitely a high price to pay. You you get rid of two pitchers who have kind of been on an upward trajectory this year. Sam roberta not as much as Klopfenstein. Obviously, he's kind of struggled. If you look at the numbers, they're they're not ideal, but he has been solid. I think it's you know you give up two guys that profile as back end of the rotation arms that can eat up some innings, and you know realistically, guys who might go on to have long major league careers, and you're not giving up like an ace, obviously, for a, a rental reliever like that, which is kind of where the, the it's still a high price to pay for two guys that do look like they are on the major league track. Um, You know, the Cardinals needed pitching. They weren't going to make a trade for position players because they're trying to compete again in 2024. So, you know, are, are Roberta and Klopfenstein good enough to help the Cardinals win in 2024? I guess we'll see like, I mean, they are both now in AAA with St. Louis um, in terms of like, I think the Roberta one hurts a little bit more, just kind of the way that he's moved through the blue Jays organization and kind of been held in high regard by, you know, some of their internal staff, the way that he's developed and kind of been a really great story in the blue Jay system. It does hurt a little bit to see a guy like that go, especially when he was, you know, good with the team in spring training and pitch for the team in the futures game i think there's you know something to be said about losing guys like that for for rentals it is it is tough for sure and you know i i think we mentioned this before before we started recording but you know how many innings does jordan hicks throw as a blue jay you know even if you include the playoffs it's probably no more than 30 35 innings
1: yeah like that's probably a. Uh probably a generous number, even 35 would be, it would be a deep playoff run. I feel like if it was 35. And the other thing that I don't want to say freaks me out, that's too strong a word, but you think about this year for basically the first two into the third month of the year, there's all this talk about, you know, where's the rotation depth where there's no one in the high minors that you could have slot in because no one's ready next year, that optionable, you know, flux guy cloth would have been that Roberta might have been that he, he may have even been a part of the rotation because obviously Ryu is at the door and well he's really the only guy at the door but besides the point it's it's another guy that you would have had in the mix to to be a back of the rotation just an option for you to have a guy if you need a guy to make a start one day instead of you know running out Trevor Richards and having him go three innings and then losing him as a leverage arm. So that's what I would say is what hurts the most, which is when you're a championship team, though, you can't be worried about your optionable arms for the following season.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think the, the cost is well justified here. It's um, a really great piece. It's uh, a guy like we talked about, he's going to be able to come in in the, in the playoffs and, get you some big outs be able to strike some guys out and really makes your bullpen you know it's it's probably got to be kind of a a top three top two bullpen now in in the majors with hicks and you know it, it is tough to give up guys like that but at the same time you can you can find four and five starters pretty easily i would say yeah
1: yeah it's like it's basically basically the question is Do they have the best bullpen in their division? If yes, that's the best uh, bullpen in the league, because I would say the Orioles are the only team that maybe scares me to the same degree. And I don't even know if they have the same kind of length in there. It's really just, you know, Batista. And then of course, Yannir Cano who hasn't even been Yannir Cano for the last little while he's come back to earth in some respect.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a really good point. Cause if you do look at the Jays bullpen, like the thing that to me sticks out about it is like, obviously you do have kind of like a, uh, elite talents back there with you know how good romano hicks swanson are tim meza how good they are but like i mean they're, they're still not kind of your your household names that you feel really confident about right like they're not a felix bautista they're not uh a josh Hader they're not a name whatever time all-star closer that you want to but the one thing that they do have is is kind of like that length right like they have probably six or seven really solid options now at this point whether it's romano hicks meza garcia swanson richards jay jackson's been really good henesis cabrera he's been a,
1: a revelation somehow
0: and you know he comes to toronto and decides to start throwing strikes all of a sudden i'm sure they were not happy but they haven't been happy seeing that in st louis um yeah it, it's it's an interesting group of relievers for sure and i think getting that in the playoffs is going to be a huge advantage because they you know we talk about it the rotation isn't all that consistent and if you have chris bassett going in a playoff game and he kind of starts to get hit around after three or four innings well you you could real realistically turn to your bullpen give trevor richards a couple innings and then get it to your guys at the end and i think that's uh a really valuable tool for the Jays to have. And one thing that like they've been doing that I wanted them to do the whole season recently is they've been having relievers go multi-innings before it seemed like they would just be going one inning, one inning, one inning, one inning, but kind of like Cabrera, Richards, Jackson, they've been giving them a couple innings to work with. And I think that really has kind of helped the bullpen as a whole.
1: It's, it's a big comparison to make, but the thing that I, that I keep thinking of with this talk of, you know, this bullpen length and the options that they have, I think of the 2016 Cleveland baseball team. And obviously that was an elite bullpen, but the game I think of in particular is when the Jays took on the now guardians and Trevor Bauer had destroyed his finger playing with a drone, which, you know, was a sign of things to come. And they, had him pitch. I don't even think he got out of the first inning and they just had such a good bullpen that they rode, you know, their arms for, it might've been eight innings. It might've even been like eight and a third or eight and two thirds. And they won that game. And it was a huge missed opportunity for the Jays. But you know, that Cleveland team had such a good bullpen, you know, I'm trying to remember some of the names, obviously Miller is the one that stands out, but even they had guys like, I want to say, Brian Shaw they had and I'm sure there's other names that that just don't come to to mind immediately Cody and Allen there's another one like that that rotate or that bullpen was exceptional and I'm it's it's a huge ask to be like oh yes this blue jays bullpen will do that but we've seen firsthand watching the blue jays and this is obviously going back almost a decade but a great bullpen in the playoffs is is such an important factor so to have at least five guys that you can trust and as many as like six or seven is so huge
0: yeah I'm just looking at at that game log right now and the guardians go from Bauer to Dan Otero to Jeff Manship to Zach McAllister to Shaw Allen and Miller and I mean the, the thing that I think is relevant in this case so I mean you know looking back on like an Otero or a McAllister or a Manship is like well, they don't Dan really
1: Otero was pretty productive as well. Yeah,
0: I mean, so for the Blue Jays, like say that you have that game, right? Say you have a you say Kikuchi blow up. And say
1: Kikuchi cuts his finger with a play with a drone. <laughs> sure, let's let's say
0: that you say it was the type of person to do that. Um and then they were to go, you know, and then they were like Jay Jackson, Trevor Richards, Hennessy Cabrera, And then they went, you know, Swanson, Hicks, Romano, like in in a few years, Richards, Jackson, Cabrera, you're probably not going to remember them. Like elite pitchers, right? Like they're probably just going to be some guys that pitched in the playoff game, like an Otero, a Manchip or a McAllister. But in reality is like how good that they've been this season and how well that they've been for the Blue Jays would probably be similar to the way that, you know, Guardians, people would remember Otero Manship and McAllister. even though like those guys gave up a couple runs in that game. but if you know if Cabrera gives up a run, but it's just one run in in a game like that, and your offense gets you three, and Cabrera it gives up the only run in the game or whatever, just in theory, then your your bullpen's doing its job. And as a whole, the bullpen would cover eight innings in a game, giving up one run.
1: Yeah. And like, you're not going to be asking to pitch eight innings in a playoff game 99% of the time. But the fact that you basically know that you can ask them to cover five or, or, or like five is probably even worst case scenario in an absolute catastrophe, six innings. But like, regardless, you've, you've basically shortened your starters workload to maybe five innings and then you're going to be able to go to the bullpen and you're going to be able to use guys that are fresh because you're not going to need to use all of your leverage guys every single game because you have so many leverage guys and you have so much length in your bullpen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you think about it, like let's just build build an ideal path for a Blue Jays pen, right? Like let's say Barrios gives you five, right? Uh, ALDS, you're playing the Twins. Barrios gives you five.
1: It's a big revenge game for him.
0: Sorry, this would be be a wild card. But uh, game two, Barrios gives you five innings, gives up two runs. Uh, Joe Ryan's pitching against him. He goes seven, gives up two runs, whatever. Um, Barrios comes out of the game, and then you're going to go – I mean, in theory, you think about the Twins lineup. They have a lot of lefties, right? So let's just say you're slotting Mesa in for one inning in there. And then the the other three that you have to cover is super easy because it's just Swanson, Hicks, Romano.
1: We have barely mentioned Jimmy Garcia. Also, is another guy.
0: Yeah, and Jimmy's been very good recently. Obviously, he does give up that home run yesterday, but you know, do extra inning. I mean, extra innings obviously they do count, but it's uh, you know, Listen, he's, he's been... not
1: the, he's not in the same category as some of the other guys we've mentioned. But like as a as a fifth best reliever in your in your bullpen potentially behind you know meza hicks ramado swanson like you're feeling really good with him being what essentially amounts to a low leverage guy
0: yeah i mean over his last 16 innings he has a 1.72 era and he's only walked one guy yeah so he's been effective he's been really good and you know i think when you think about like the circle of trust who in the blue jays bullpen is not in the circle of trust right now
1: mitch white <laughs> yes
0: and he is no longer a blue jay as a result of, well he, he might still be a blue jay but i'm assuming he, he gets claimed right like somebody else somebody will pick him up for sure
1: i i don't know man he's been a bit of a mess this year. i mean i mean like, i listen like obviously these are these are real people with with real livelihoods but um mitch white the baseball player has overstayed his welcome uh i, I saw this tweet also going around that someone was walking down the street and they uh, i mean this is all hearsay but someone was walking down the street and uh apparently saw Mitch White on the phone and he was joking about having to pack his sh whatever. I don't know how we feel about swearing, but uh, but he, yeah, like he, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy, he's a very handsome man, I'm sure he'll do very well for himself. Uh, but he had overstayed his welcome,
0: yeah. I mean, he'll he. he to me, he's going to get picked up for sure. Like, I mean, literally just a year ago with the Dodgers, he had like a 3.7 ERA as a, a starter. And, you know, like some team who's not very good will no doubt like put a claim on him just to give him a shot, right? Like if you're I don't. I don't necessarily just want to use St. Louis as an example, but as a team that needs pitching that intends on contending next year, like it's it's probably worth the shot to grab him and get him into your system and see if you can do anything with him. The thing, I mean, he would fit the Cardinals very well as a guy who doesn't strike out a whole lot of guys. I mean, he did kind of start to strike out a decent amount of guys with the Jays, but uh, you know, like there's there's so many teams that could just grab him and bring him in and and give him a shot and and see. If there's anything in there,
1: yeah. Like I mean, listen, everyone always wants pitching, so it wouldn't be the most shocking thing. And would I be upset if he stuck around, made it to AAA, and then they called him up? And I mean, obviously, September there's not the same expansion that there once was, but you know, they called him up in September, gave him a spot start in you know mid September when. You know, they've got the either the division locked up or the bullpen needs a day or or, or you just need him to eat innings, basically. You know, I wouldn't necessarily hate him being, you know, triple-A depth.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Let's talk about kind of some of that pitching depth with Hyunjin Ryu returning to the rotation tomorrow. And tomorrow has got to be like one of the busiest days of for a blue chase team ever, you know, as busy as the trade deadline is the engine Ryu start also makes it all the more important. Are you surprised that they didn't bring him back
1: before the deadline? I I suspect they probably would have liked to, and they probably just didn't. He probably just wasn't ready. Uh, I mean, it would have been nice to, but ultimately you're running a six man rotation now, regardless. So, you know, you, you've added your, your arm in terms of your starting pitching. And you're like, to me, it would be the same thing as adding a guy like a Mitch white almost last year, where you don't know if he's going to be great, but you suspect he'll be passable. And there's a chance he's not great, but again, because it is this, you know, Mitch white tier of guy. And I'm not saying that hundred is Mitch white. That's the furthest thing from what I'm saying, but in terms of the uncertainty, rather, uh, you know, if he's bad, your your status quo, right? Like you were never going to add a top of the rotation arm as much as it probably would have been nice to just because you have this log jam. I mean, you you had Burrios, Gosman, and Bassett were never going anywhere. Then, you know, Kikuchi, because of the nature of, like you're not, I mean, maybe you're putting him in the bullpen, but not really. Like that's not really happening. Plus he's been pretty, relatively speaking, effective. Like you've got too many arms that if you wanted to add, you know, a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander, it's probably not doable unless, you know, you're sacrificing guys from your bullpen that you trust.
0: Yeah, they they have it's it's such a weird situation with the starters because it's a log jam. And, you know, like you can you never know kind of what you're gonna get, obviously, you know. If if you're going into a playoff series right now, like your rotation is Gosman, Brios, Bassett, I think that's pretty set in stone. And then, like, do you trust Kikuchi in in a game? Of, like, let's say, I mean, again, in theory, like, I mean, if we're going into a in, into the playoffs and the Blue Jays have, you know, a, a wild card series, and then they go Gosman, Brios, Bassett. Let's say you win that in three, and then you go onto the ALDS, like is Kikuchi, Kikuchi starting game one?
1: I mean, what choice do you have? Like, unless, yeah, and maybe, I mean, maybe you're trusting Manoa to start game one. I mean, I don't know if I would. Maybe Ryu comes back and is electric and he's starting. So, like, there's options, right? Which is really all I can ask. But the problem is, is like, you, ultimately, the bullpen or excuse me, the rotation does not run four guys deep. That's really all it comes down to is that it runs one guy deep, two guys that are probably okay at this point, but like I certainly wouldn't call them anything more than the threes in Barrios and Bassett. And then you've got three guys that you're kind of like, I hope that you have your best pitch today, because if you don't, then you're going to get torched.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I like thinking about Kikuchi, like I just, just did a real quick filter here. And like, since the end of May, his last start in May, like he has a 3.10 ERA with, uh, you know, over 10 K per nine, less than three walk per nine which is, is really good, but also that's that's been like the last couple months, right? Like there's still two months to go before we're even in a playoff scenario. So you don't know what he's going to look like then, let alone in in a potential playoff scenario, in a playoff game. So, you know, there's just so much time left to really know what you're going to, what kind of picture that you're going to be getting in the playoffs. So, you know, like Bassett could, return when he had that scoreless streak at the end of the year he could have that going into the playoffs and then you probably make him your number two right so there's there's just so much time left and I do like kind of jumping back to the Ryu conversation I think it would have been nice for them to see him before the deadline just to know uh, know. it's, it's one start obviously but just to kind of be like okay we we kind of have an idea of what he is bringing to the table as he works back
1: yeah, well, you kind of do know, right? Like, he pitched pretty well coming up the – I mean, it's AAA. It's not the major leagues. But, like, he pitched okay. I mean, the velo was down, which wasn't ideal. But he was still putting away guys. He wasn't getting – there was no 10-run FCL start from him. Like, he he wasn't obviously torching guys. That's never really been his MO. But I don't know. Like, as a, as a six starter, I don't really – I don't have – any issues with Ryu as a fourth starter, I think is the thing where you're kind of like, I don't know about this.
0: I think, I think you can't like run out a six man rotation for that long though. I think well, it's, it's maybe, I think th- you can run, three run it times,
1: out until no, three times through. You, no, I think you can run it until, I mean, I guess that probably is only, I was going to say you could probably run it until like maybe like mid September. I don't, I don't see any reason why you can't Especially I mean, save, save in... the
0: arms. You, but, you... but, but in a playoff race where you are, you know, it's, it's so tight right now. You want to have like Gosman and Barrios going as many times as you can. And if you go through a six man rotation three times, that's 18 starts. Right. So that takes away a start from Gosman down, down the stretch basically.
1: So maybe you like slot Gosman in, but you, you, maybe you slot in this sixth man rotation. Like maybe you, keep Gosman on his regular rest. And then the rest of the guys you do something with, like, yeah, I, I I, don't take much issue with, you know, Barrios. And I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird kind of like, there'd be a lot of finagling going on, but if you want to make sure you're getting as many Gosman starts as you can, then maybe you keep Gosman on his five days and then everyone else kind of orbits around him, which I, I would be fine with that. I just don't know if that's doable.
0: Yeah. It'd be, it'd be a lot of, Finesse. And I mean, you're a your major league team. You can do it. Um But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's basically you give Ryu a couple starts and then you go from there and you make a decision after that. Obviously, they have the 17 and 17 coming up here. And that's kind of why they're going to the six man. So maybe maybe things will solve themselves but I I do think kind of as we come to the end of this this really busy stretch they're going to have to make a tough decision with with somebody in the rotation.
1: How how many starts do you need to see from Ryu to be able to decide if he's part of the rotation?
0: I mean if if they had only like if 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 he was coming back to be your fifth starter, I would say you just kind of give him as much runway as you want, but because it is the sixth man I'm I'm fine with the six man for like a couple times through, but I think I think you're gonna have to really push the decision. Like you're gonna have to make a tough decision like with a small sample size on Ryu. If he gets hit around in his two starts, then I think that maybe that's that's enough. If he looks good, then maybe it's you know, whoever's not been looking good. Like if Manoa has struggles through the next couple times through the rotation, maybe you have to make a tough call there, send him down to triple A. It's um, you know, it's a who wants to be in that position having to make that decision when, you know, Manoa has been serviceable the last two times out, obviously the, the angels think didn't end that well, but I, I don't know. I would probably give Ryu two or three starts before I would feel the heat to make a decision.
1: Like you're probably right. But I, again, it's, it's like the 17 day stretch is going to be the, is going to be what decides what ultimately happens with him. But yeah, like, I guess you're betting on basically those three guys go out and you're kind of like, who has the weakest three game stretch of the bunch, I suppose is kind of the the question mark. I don't know. And also like, I, I don't know their schedule inside out beyond obviously the, you've got the Orioles coming up. Like you've got a couple of interdivisional series coming up that are big series, but do they have any like soft landing spots that you can, you know, plop this, 456
0: in Yeah uh I don't know it's it's such a tough call I mean when you really kind of look at where the rotation is and you know like I mean if you do look at the upcoming schedule like you go Baltimore Boston which it's kind of tough because, like, I mean, these are all must-win games, right? They they can't really afford to drop. I mean, they've
1: they've gotten torched by by Boston this year, right? You need to and, put out your and best Baltimore guys. too, and yeah. Baltimore. I mean, and... maybe the Guardians you look to because it's a four-game set. You've got an opportunity to to you know squeeze Ryu in a couple of times against that, or not a couple of times, but rather the that part of the rotation in a couple times. The Cubs maybe, but like, yeah, it's not a it's not exactly a cakewalk.
0: Yeah, I mean, you get him in against Baltimore. So if if they go Ryu, so he'd be back against the Guardians, and then he would be back against the Phillies. Which, you know, oh, Phillies are pretty the sh- pretty left handed, yeah. I guess. But I guess so. Like three starts there. You know, I I don't feel. I I guess it doesn't really hurt. Like, I mean, you can do that, and then look ahead to you know september where at the end of september i think is really interesting because they kind of do have that 12 game stretch where they go three against the nationals three against the rockies three against the a's and then three against the royals which is you know you better be taking 10 out of 12 of those games if you really are serious about kind of this whole making the playoff thing but you know, maybe maybe you let re maybe you run a six man rotation until that point. Like you give him a whole month to to kind of get through it. So then he would be, you know, Phillies, Orioles, kind of nationals for Ryu in that point. And then you make a call. You give him a whole month.
1: Like that that probably makes the most sense. And then yeah, and then you've got this really soft because you've got that soft part of the schedule that you're kind of like licking your chops at. And those are games that you're kind of like, now you're taking them for granted, but you've, you've kind of got them penciled in as a lot of W's. So you've kind of got the flexibility maybe before then to experiment a little bit. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, it's hard because like (laughs) you, you have to win, right? Like you can't be like, uh, like, I mean, we'll experiment with Ryu against the guardians and then you, you lose that game. And it's like, well, you know, I guess that game doesn't hurt as much as if you, you know experiment with Ryu against the Orioles twice and you lose twice to the Orioles where now you're losing games in division um or against Boston, you know, kind of those games too. It's it's a uh, it's a really interesting debate because like nobody none of their pitchers have like really been like i mean i guess they they've all kind of shown this season they've had like these stretches where they've been really good like bassett has like looked like a number two kikuchi's looked really good Barrios has looked really good and but you just don't like kind of have that sense of confidence in them
1: yeah like you can experiment right but you know if it goes sideways all of a sudden it becomes still i am become hanjin ryu destroyer of playoff probabilities uh a little up and high like i don't know man like you don't want to blow up in your face
0: yeah there it's there's no easy answer because you have to get him in and you have to give him a shot but it's like it's such a tight playoff race that uh that there's no really easy way to to get him in and find out what he's got without it potentially hurting your season
1: i don't know man the the other thing also though like you know we like really haven't even mentioned, and we've got it. You got it on your notes, like the Chad Green thing. Oh, too, I know. Right? I was
0: about to say that we didn't like we did that whole bullpen conversation, and we didn't yeah, even mention. Chad I know, Green. right?
1: Like, so, there, well, that's another place where you're gonna have to like experiment, right? Like, where do I, where do you slot? And obviously, it's a, it's a bullpen guy, so the leverage is a lot easier to control. But also, just there's a lot of like pitching uncertainty.
0: Yeah, I think the Chad Green thing is. Probably a little easier, but the problem is is that you're going to have to drop some guys, right? Like you only have so many bullpen spots on your team. And, you know, they, I think that they wanted to keep Mitch White and now they had, you know, they were kind of forced to get rid of him. And, you know, same thing with kind of the Nate Pearson stuff where they had to send him down. And I'm sure that they probably didn't want to do that. But, you know, they made that decision to to try and get him on track a little bit at AAA. And, you know, when Chad Green comes back, who are you sending down? It's probably going to be Jay
1: Jackson. I mean, it probably either him or maybe like, I mean, I guess Hennesseis Cabrera has an option. Maybe you're sending him down. Uh, I I don't know if, because Jay Jackson's been in the league a while. I, I imagine you'd have to DFA him, but also like Hennesseis Cabrera is your second lefty. So what's the game plan?
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, maybe it's just a case of like you send Nate down again,
1: but Nate probably ends up back down there regardless because Pierce, or excuse me, because uh, Romano's back.
0: Right. Well, maybe. Oh man, that's, that's it's. That's, uh, listen, that's like so it's tough. a good, it's
1: a good problem to have, and this is a thing that the Jays haven't had for a long time. This this glut of of bullpen, this glut of rotation. It's always been that they've got all these exceptional hitters. And the pitching isn't good enough or it's not deep enough, you know. It wasn't that long ago when, you know, you're tossing out, and this is obviously when they were still, you know, garbage, but you're tossing out Jacob Waggis pack, you know, or your bullpen. Like, what are we doing here? No offense to Jacob Waggus pack. But but like it's it's a good problem to have, but it still remains like a a a difficult juggling act that you're gonna have to solve.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to think of it and like you know maybe it is gonna be jay jackson that has to but he's been like so good i don't know i I mean again they do have a little bit of runway before chad green is back but it sounds like his next appearance is gonna be at triple a so he's probably two or three outings at triple a and then he's you know ready to join the big league club and somebody's gonna have to have to take the fall there just looking it's, at it's the, a, the yeah, list, of, like... list of relievers like you know you know you're not sending swanson down you're not sending jimmy down you're not sending Mesa, not richards not romano not hicks
1: so it's, it's six, basically but that's six guys already and your bullpen's only really going to be like eight guys yeah
0: so it's it's cabrera or jackson at that point
1: yeah and i guess because of his option year you're, you're sending down an but like i don't think he's done anything to warrant being sent down, he's been like a revelation. I mean, both of them have been revelations.
0: Yeah, such a, such a weird. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe your six man rotation at that point is figured out by the time Chad Green's ready. Well, to yeah, that's, the well, team. Thing is that's that you don't you don't even
1: have you don't even have as much length that, or or excuse me you don't even have as many slots to fill in your bullpen because you've dedicated an extra rotation spot.
0: Yeah, so maybe that's kind of when they. Have to make the call on Ryu is when Chad Green's ready.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Very, very interesting. I mean, you know,
0: let's, uh, let's move on and do some more, more trade deadline talk here. Uh, last week we, we ran through a ton of, you know, potential options and kind of gave them how well that they would fit with the team as the market has unfolded and now that they, you know, have Jordan Hicks, what do you think is next? Is it, is it just a bat? Is there a couple more moves? Is it just one more move? I mean, what, what, what are you thinking?
1: I mean, the whispers across Twitter and across all the, all the sources and uh, and such are, are basically that they're looking for one or two hitters, probably one and basically I can spelled out that it was going to be a veteran right-handed hitter position notwithstanding like there's not a ton of guys that necessarily fit that mold Tommy Pham is the one that you keep coming back to uh I I also don't know that he necessarily fits the like veteran with pedigree uh, description he's obviously had some success and he's a veteran but I don't know if he it sounds like they're going more for like a right-handed Brandon Belt than a right-handed I don't know anybody else so I don't know who that necessarily translates to but the word is basically that it's going to be a right-handed hitter which they need but i i couldn't tell you who
0: yeah i think i mean obviously fam is the the easy fit um it it does sound like the mariners are like selling decently hard like i mean they've made you know Seawald available which would be so crazy if they traded him like he's (laughs) he's a legit back end of the rotation arm like he might be a better reliever than Jordan Hicks. Obviously they, you know, very different in the way that they approach yeah. the game, but uh, talk about a guy with like a, a, really nice track record. Um, You know, Paul Seawald, he's like, not for the Jays, just talking about the Mariners in general, but like, I mean the Ty France and Teoscar being available thing. Like if, if you're the Mariners, would you even entertain trading Teoscar back to the Jays?
1: I mean, I would, uh, you're not going to get Eric Swanson back. You're going to lose that trade. Um, I also don't know that the Jays would want that. The whole thing was that the Jays wanted. I mean, obviously, this is now a different circumstance than when they ultimately traded him. But the whole idea was like they they wanted to give their lineup some different looks. They didn't want all of Teoscar Swing and Mitch, which Swing and Miss, which has, you know, become even more pronounced this year, and they also there's such a strong you know emphasis on positional versatility again not necessarily in this instance at this deadline but you know they're looking for a guy that that has the ability to play the field and Teoscar just does not so yeah I, don't know. I
0: mean like when i when i think about it like there there aren't really a lot of second base options available which is kind of where like the cleanest fit would come from and when you look at the you know right-handed bats that are on the market or whatever like are you trading for like if you trade for Teoscar like that's a that's a bat that you want in your lineup every day right like it's not you're not bringing him in to like sometimes hit against lefties when Varsho and Kiermaier are like when one of Varsho and Kiermaier are down so like Teoscar is probably almost like too high end of a player to to get in a deal like I mean it's weird to say that but like it feels like they're almost looking for like you said like a Brandon Belt guy where it's like you are fine leaving him on the bench and you don't feel like you need to have him in the lineup every game
1: and and also like you want too many good players so if it came down to it Teoscar would be a solid add there's there's no really two ways about it like he'd be a good add to the to the team from a depth perspective i also wonder how it would feel if you know, you bring in to Oscar and he's a bench guy to his literal replacements.
0: Yeah, it's it's a tough conversation. I mean, even if you bring in like a Tommy Pham, like Tommy Pham probably suits himself as an everyday player, right? And, you know, I, I think we talked about this last week, but you have, like, at this point, you got to be okay with limiting Varsho's at-bats a little bit with this trade, which, you know, I I, I think long-term, it doesn't really affect the... the the way that you value Varsho, if you feel like if you need to, if you're trying to win the world series this year, it's okay to maybe limit some of his at-bats.
1: Well, the other thing too, is that there might be, you know, assuming that this team continues to be a world series contender, as I'm sure they aspire to be, you know, there might be years where you're kind of like, instead of Varsho being a guy that you need to be your fifth or sixth hitter, You know, you're looking at him as your eighth or ninth best hitter. And you're like, it's fine if he's not tearing the cover off the ball. But a year like this year where you need more offense, he's the type that is kind of like, okay, we need a bit more punch. So we just like I don't really like you've kind of said, I don't take any issue with deciding that this year you're going to prioritize a little bit more offense out of that position rather than his defensive basically excellence.
0: Yeah. I mean, in theory, like if you just kind of look at some of the teams that the the Jays might face in the playoffs and, you know, kind of some of the left-handed options, you know, let's say you get the Yankees, like it, it doesn't seem like both the Jays and the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. It, it would be, you know, a really crazy scenario for that to happen, but, um, you know, like you get a Rodone, uh, a Nestor Cortez, you could, maybe see either of them you get like a shane mcclanahan from tampa bay you get a uh who else would there be if they the rangers just traded for jordan montgomery
1: yeah i was gonna say the rangers definitely added someone they're, know, they're, like there be like i the, mean there's
0: there's enough lefties out there that i think it is it is worth having at least somebody that you know Varsho hit two doubles off a lefty yesterday but uh you know it, before that it's the only way that he's really been able to get on against lefties this year has been by bunting so
1: don't know if you mentioned it but Framber Valdez another guy yeah
0: Framber of course with the Astros um like i mean there's there's a lot of decent lefties in the american league that i think it's kind of the point that i don't mind limiting what varsho sees in in a a potential playoff matchup
1: yeah and it comes down to who would replace him i don't know maybe maybe i don't know if he's still quite so hot but brent rooker got off to a screaming start to the year i know he's come down to earth i don't know how much he's come down to earth
0: yeah he's been And he he, has team control yeah he has team control which obviously the jays have valued in the past and he's 28 so you know the A's probably aren't going to value him that much because when what year are the A's going to be contending probably not until Brent Ricker's like 30 31
1: yeah and that in in, be in, a in an generous. ideal world
0: right yeah and you know obviously that would cost a lot i don't know what you might have to give up to get a guy like Brent Ricker but that's kind of a guy that you would slot into your your dh spot for for a couple years to come maybe you even slot him in as your left fielder for years to come you know you think about the 2024 Blue Jays, and it's maybe, you know, just a little 2024 look ahead. You go Vlad, insert second baseman here, Bo, insert Addison Barger slash Elvis Martinez at third base. Uh-huh. But I'm assuming that one of them might have to go to get a Brent Rooker, so... Well, Well, I don't
1: know, man. Like, I don't think that Brent Rucker is going to command. I don't know this. Here's the, here's the T basically is that they have options. It's a matter of what they're looking for to fill that role. If they're looking for like a Brandon belt type, it's going to be a one year rental. It's going to be a veteran guy. It's probably going to be someone that doesn't get you that excited, but probably someone in that, like Whit Merrifield, even he's probably too high of a, a bar in terms of like the stick. So you're not adding like a, a exceptional bat, which I mean, obviously you want to do that, but if it's not there, it's not there. So you're going to, you're going to end up probably adding someone. They're probably going to be a, a somewhere in the middle guy. And, and you're probably going to be looking at just run prevention as your path to a world series.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's the most likely path that they do end up taking for me. I mean, I don't know t- if, if I'm adding at the deadline, if I'm them, I think I just prioritize somebody that can like hit with some power.
1: I mean, that'd be great. I just don't see who, I mean, again, there's a bunch of outfielders. It's really just a question of like, how, how attached is this front office office to giving Dalton Varshow consistent ABs? Because the package they sent for him indicates that they really like him, but the quality of play Feels like it should be something addressed. That's kind of what it comes down to.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he's your center fielder of the future. I don't think there's really any debating that. Mm-hmm. And when 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 he moves to center field, like his offensive struggles, which probably do turn around a little bit, like it, it, it isn't as pronounced, right? Because he's giving you elite defense at a pr- premier defensive position. Yeah. Whereas in left field, it's kind of like, you know, maybe we can live with a little bit left less defense for a little bit more power or a little bit more offense while you're playing yeah. a corner outfield position.
1: No, exactly that. Right. So it's that's really what it comes down to. But I, I as far as who it is, you can toss a million names out there. I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I couldn't have told you Jordan Hicks would be the guy that the Jays went for, given that they're they're so attached to team control in a lot of respects that they th- this kind of move feels like a big push of the chips when they've maybe been a little reluctant to do the the deadline at times.
0: Do you think that signals a shift for the rest of the deadline? You think it kind of makes them look at uh, doing that, like kind of the same thing, like you can really go after a rental bat because you're already so far in on, on a rental like
1: Jordan Hicks. I mean, part of me says yes, but the other part of me thinks of how, when Marsha Pyro arrived, he the first thing he basically did was went to Alex Anthopoulos and was like, "How dare you trade all these prospects for a bunch of rentals?" So, I don't know, man. Like, I think that this this uh, front office they're willing to push the chips in. They've shown that over and over again in free agency, but they value having guys around. There's no there's no pure rentals really, except obviously Jordan Hicks. But even in that instance, he's 26. There's Maybe you look to extend him. I don't know. It doesn't feel like this This is the team. This is the type of office that is going to go full Dave Dombrowski.
0: Yeah. And I mean, at this point too, like the price that you would have to pay for a guy who has your year, uh, years of team control is probably too expensive for what they have anyways. You know, like, I mean, if you, if you're, really going out to get, like, a a guy with team control the way that their prospect system, like, I mean, maybe you're trading, like, lower guys that a team like Oakland would really like for a Rooker, not your top-end guys. It feels like they really don't want to move those top-end guys. So, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe it is they really are going to kind of look and go back to that. This Jordan Hicks trade is kind of a one-off and they look at just adding a guy with team control and they're willing to trade lower in their farm system from guys who aren't necessarily on the radar yet. And maybe they, you know, maybe they keep on with what they established Jordan Hicks and they try and get like Tommy fam for, for cheap.
1: That, that would probably make the most sense, but I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's, they've still got what about, for 24 uh, ish hours to go yeah a little
0: a little over that it'll be uh i'm i'm very intrigued to see kind of when they go ahead and make these these deals because they you know the the market has like it's it's moved quick at times it's kind of been in bursts but i do think that there's going to be a, a really big opening of the floodgates probably tomorrow where you see You know, Eduardo Rodriguez, Michael Lorenzen. You see the Mariners make some moves. You see the Cardinals get rid of Jack Flaherty. You see the Pirates do some stuff. You see the Rockies do some more stuff. You see the Angels are apparently still looking to add after they've, you know, gone out and added a ton already. Um, You know, everybody's still waiting to see what the Padres are going to do. The Mets, you know, Verlander Canna, Brooks Raley, they're all still on the team. You know, I could keep naming off guys here, but uh, you know, it's it's uh going to be a very interesting day tomorrow.
1: It feels it feels like the calm before the storm. Yeah, basically. Yeah.
0: And uh, you know, if the Jays do some more, I'm sure we'll uh we'll hop back on the mics and kind of talk about who they are bringing in. Do you see anything else you think just a bat? there's no like starter depth, no other addition to the bullpen that you think would be worth adding?
1: I think adding an arm is always compelling. I don't really see where it fits. We just spent the last hour yeah. talking about how there's nowhere <laughs> to fit it. But I mean, if you can upgrade, you should always look to upgrade. I, I think that being aggressive, especially given that like your window is basically three years. It's until Vlad and Bo uh, hit free agency and then from there it's all bets are off so i don't i mean i don't see any reason to to be like sorry we're not going to push our chips in because the clock is ultimately ticking yeah but like i don't know it, the question is like where where do they fit and it just, there there isn't really
0: a fit Bef- before we move on to kind of just talking about the the series of the week Let's. I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, Ross Atkins had talked about he doesn't want to subtract from the roster to add. But at this point, like, maybe that's the way that you have to go. Like, could you see them dealing from the major league roster to make some additions here?
1: I mean, if Atkins says he won't, obviously, I I would suspect they don't. But like, I don't see any reason to believe that a guy like an Espinal, like a biggio, uh, like those those types I mean to a lesser degree uh, an Alejandro Kirk if those guys need to be put on the table to get an impact guy I I don't take much issue with it Uh, I do wonder you know if you do trade Espinal is it for for an outfielder does that spell you know Davis Schneider getting a call up like, is, is he a guy because he needs to be added to the 40 man Is he a guy that they're considering, or is he just a guy that they're holding off until next year? Uh, is, is it a case of maybe he's, he's not what his numbers would indicate. So the team doesn't really believe in him. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say no to dealing a guy like a, like a biggio or an Espinal. I just think that the team just loves like Atkins and Spiro love, 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 love positional versatility. And that's basically what those guys bring.
0: Yeah, I mean they they do have a 40 man crunch right now too, so I, I think that there's definitely gonna be some movement in terms of maybe clearing up a couple 40 man spots. And you know, whether that is a guy off the current major league roster, I don't see them dealing any of the relievers, but like you mentioned, like I mean an Espinal, a Biggio realistically could make that happen. Um in terms of other guys like on the 40 man that could move, like I mean. There's there's not a lot realistically, you know. Like, I mean, you got like Zach Pop is another reliever depth guy that they have that we didn't even mention. Um, you know, like are you moving an Otto Lopez, uh a Spencer Horwitz, uh Ernie Clement kind of guys like that to clear up some 40 man spots, like maybe, but
1: I mean Jordan has literally been like sitting on the bench doing nothing. Yeah, like, he's a guy.
0: Yeah, like they they have a lot of probably options that they could turn to to clear up a 40-man spot. It's just, uh it'll be interesting to see if that's the, the direction they decide to go. Because, like, realistically, David Schneider's earned a spot, or at least a shot, with the Major League team. And, again, it's a 40-man crunch, right? So you probably can't do anything about it. But when you are looking to add, like, maybe you just, that's the way that you gotta look, is to these guys who are like quadruple a players.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Like it's, I don't know what else. I don't know. It's, it's kind of comes down to exactly as you've put it, right. It's, it's, there's some shuffling that seems like it's going to be going down, but there's, uh, there's not a lot.
0: There's not a lot that we can say about it without like really knowing what's, what's happening. I would say pretty much. Um, I think it's interesting that there's kind of been some whispers that like, maybe they're looking to do something bigger. Um I I yeah. do wonder if that's like Jordan Hicks it's like it's kind of like Jordan Hicks is that move but uh you know we'll see we'll see if there's an actual blockbuster move here I doubt it but you know who knows All right let's go quick on this Orioles Orioles series before we get out of here um important series they have a chance to make up some ground in the division they are only five and a half games back of the Orioles. So, you know, four games set, Chris Bassett, Kyle Gibson tonight, Hunjin Ryu, Kyle Bradish tomorrow, Kikuchi, Grayson Rodriguez, and then Kevin Gossman and TBD. What do you, you got any, any thoughts on the series? You want to drop your predictions here?
1: I, I'm i not dropping any predictions because that's just asking for bad juju. Uh, And if I am dropping any predictions, it's that they, it's a must win series, which, Really, a shocker that a series in late July, early August against a division opponent is a is a must-win series. I know, but uh, no, like a biggest series of the year by a mile and a half. Uh, if they can grab three of these, like the division is ripe for the taking. Uh, you know, you lose three, you get swept, and all of a sudden you're you know you're in particular danger because it's the top of your your division, right? You're, you're not only losing ground, you're losing ground to a team that you are in the immediate hunt for, right? So this is a series that they, more than, you know, we say it every every time we get to this segment, you know, it's always, they've got to win this series because that's basically what this, this season has been. It's been a lot of, they sputtered kind of in stretches and now they're just making up ground to try to get to this point where they are like the team. But the, the Jays haven't gotten hot yet this season really like, I I can't think of a stretch where they've been like screaming hot. So, I mean, you grab two out of three from both LA teams, you know, maybe you're feeling good. Like this is where you need to, as much as momentum, isn't a thing in baseball. You need to take whatever momentum you've got and you've got to win a couple games here.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the sticks have come alive a little bit during these last couple series, like not to the point where it's like, you know, they're blowing teams out and, other than that the eight win eight one win over the Dodgers. But, you know, like you I mean you see in like a Kirk kind of come alive a little bit. Um, marfield has been totally nuts the last little stretch, which is, you know, something that I don't I don't think I would say that I really expected this season. And yeah, like I mean, it's 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 again, it's like we talk about every week. It's kind of the big guys that have been a little quiet with, you know, Vlad, Chapman, and Springer.
1: Springer, particularly, yeah,, yeah. I, it's like like I mean, obviously every series you'd love for it, but this would be a series where it'd be particularly nice if you got a little bit of a kind of uh, Atlanta Braves drop out like a thirty spot on them over a over a couple games stretch. like if you could really get the sticks going against this team of all teams, that would be enormous. but the the fact they've had so much trouble with them so far this year, like you need to they're gonna have to basically do damage. You know, you've got a guy like Gibson on on the on the mound. Maybe he's a guy that you can beat up on. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez has had his ups and downs this year. Like, there's some winnable games here, but you've got to you've got to beat them early in the game because, w- as we discussed earlier, you know their bullpen's so good.
0: Yeah, I think realistically, like, I'll I'll end this with this, but you know, I I think the overall scope of the season, like, it doesn't quite like each series isn't going to really quite have as much of as importance to like their their final standings as the last 12 game stretch of the season where you go Yankees raise Yankees raise like I think that is going to be kind of the week where things are really decided especially with them playing the Rangers and Red Sox right before but as as far as like a seven game stretch goes like this these seven games against the Orioles and Red Sox I think could be almost as important as as any stretch all season long
1: yeah exactly like this is it's you've struggled against your division to start the year you need to write that ship because you're not you're not going anywhere if you're not beating your division foes
0: yeah exactly all right well that is going to do it for us here today at the bird's eye view podcast make sure you drop a follow or review wherever you get your podcasts uh you can follow us on twitter the pod is on twitter at bev underscore pod jory is at j negan schecter i'm at warden underscore zach and jake of course our other co-host is still living the life in italy he is at jake brannon_ underscore thanks so much for listening and we will catch you later this week